0: But whether it be spending, whether it be exercising, whether it be nutrition or hydration, we're human beings. We fall down and we course correct, Yeah. right?
1: Welcome to Your Financial Sobriety, a podcast that challenges conventional beliefs about money and life. We're here to talk about the only three relationships in life that really matter. Our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, and our relationship with money. And they are all tied very closely to one another. If you've ever struggled with any of these relationships at any point in your life, then you're in the right place. I'm Matthew Grishman, co-owner of Gebhardt Group. We're a private wealth management firm headquartered just outside San Francisco, California. I'm joined by my business partner and BFF, Jim Gebhart who got this party started when he opened the doors of our firm in 2005. Jim and I created Your Financial Sobriety because we want to help a lot of people. We're on a mission to become the most disruptive money influencers of our time. If after listening today, you're able to take one step closer to keeping your money more aligned with the people, places, and experiences that mean the most to you, then Jim and I just got one step closer to accomplishing our mission.
0: Episode
1: 22, bringing it all together. Bringing it all together, brother. We've been at this for
0: the better part of nine months. Kind of like a pregnancy.
1: (laughs) Almost. Almost. I I feel like we've been birthing something.
0: Our first episode was released January 21st, and we've been going about every two weeks. And what's been so incredible has been some of the feedback we've received from listeners on the content what we want to do with this episode is kind of bring that all together. And I think the very first thing we want to do is have you start with an exercise, have you start with a writing exercise. And whether you've been listening to us for one episode, if you have binged listened to us on 11 episodes on a long drive from north to south or east to west, take a moment, get your journal out, get a book out, get your iPhone out, something to write with. And what observations have you noticed? What habits have changed? What are you feeling different about your relationships with your money, with your people, with yourself? I think you go pause the audio and you go, you go spend some time with this.
1: Write a little bit about some of the new behaviors, some of the things that we've shared that maybe you've actually given a try. Like, does, like has 10-10-10 worked? Have, have you been able to apply 10-10-10 to some of the spending that's happened in the past? If you don't know what that is,
0: keep listening. Go back to episode whatever that was. I don't uh, remember which episode that was. So that, right, that's, but this is sequential, and we try yeah. to remind all the listeners to this point. This has been very, very intentional. Our motto with this whole thing is be intentional with your money. We've been very intentional with the nature of these episodes. Yeah, the, the order
1: of it. So right.
0: wherever you've left off please continue and maybe you're current with us and you already you know what 101010 10, 10 is but just why don't you give a little Cliff Notes version brother on what that is
1: Yeah I mean 101010 10, 10 was a spending principle that I had applied as a spendthrift junkie myself where I was I was spending money just to make myself feel better I would have some kind of impulse decision that I need to buy that now and this idea of 10, 10, 10 would would ring in my head where the first 10 is what's most important. Where I would take 10 minutes to just put something down and walk away from it just to see if that impulse would go away. And when I'd come back to it 10 minutes later, if the impulse was still there, then I'd have the second and third 10 to help guide whether I should actually make this purchase. The first 10 being just, how would this feel to me 10 weeks from now? buying this thing, this gizmoch, as you like to say. If this gizmoch won't make 10 weeks worth of anything to me where it would wind up sitting back there on a shelf collecting dust, then what's the point? I could very easily push that purchase aside. But if I could think 10 years from now that this could be a meaningful purchase in my life, something that means something to me, then, then maybe it is worth it. Maybe I need to think about how I could budget this purchase in for something next month, the following month. When the money buckets get refilled. Sure. But that just that whole 10-10-10 concept, it helped me pause when I felt this impulsive desire to buy something. So this is a very intentional exercise. Absolutely. Right? It's
0: a muscle. It's a muscle that the longer you work it and you get better at it, you're going to get better at, at not making that impulse purchase. Because generally, let's face it, generally in our experience, you're trying to fill some void. Yeah. Maybe uh, you got in a, that's been maybe my you got experience fight, you got in a fight with someone your day didn't go right your client your boss your neighbor your wife your brother your dog got mad at
1: you about something maybe or it could or it could have been something or it could have been a big win right you you and I have had experiences where we have a great day a new client comes on board and we want to impulsively go celebrate sure so, so I'm gonna go buy myself something sure I oh wait for it I deserve <laughs> I deserve, oh, I love that. I deserve blank. You've made me very aware of how subtly I can let I deserve creep into my head without even realizing it. Man, are those two dangerous words.
0: I know I've done that many, 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 many times in my life, particularly with food. I deserve blank. Yeah. Whether it's a steak that's too big, whether it's the second helping of something whether it's
1: desertical that I, you know, I did, well, I don't have to have it, but I deserve it. Sure. You know, what really helped, what I think what really helped me with the 10, 10, 10 is when we did talk about a lot of the money foundational stuff, right? That train wreck of a relationship that I had with money and becoming aware that my money choices were trying to fill this void. When we talked early on about this exercise of going through the clarity compass, and I was able to, and, and you and I both have done this, where we were able to identify what our core personal values and needs were. When that impulse purchase would happen and the 10-10-10 would go off, you know, that first 10 minutes was just about helping me pause to see if that impulsive, emotional, whatever the hell was going through me would just go away. Mm-hmm. But if it stuck around a little bit by being clear on my values, my needs, what's really important to me, that really helped the second part of the 10-10-10 with, is this purchase really aligned with what matters most to me? That clarity compass exercise meant a lot to me there.
0: It's an incredibly powerful exercise. And we live in a culture and we live in a time and place where everybody wants things fast. Yeah. We want fast results. We want fast food. We want to make money fast. There's that show on CNBC, Fast Money. Hello? Hello? <laughs> And I got to level with everybody that this is slow. This is a slow process. It's slow because you, you want to be intentional, taking the time to sit down and to look at the values that are the most significant to you, your partner, and then collectively, and then using that as a decision-making tool by which to make big financial decisions together, I, either again, independently or, or with, with a partner, that's not really going to happen fast. No. And I know I know we've shared this concept before, but the whole concept of, of what Jim Kelly shared with me 15 years ago on slow down to go faster. Yeah. If you want to make more progress, our good friend Bo Eason talks a lot about Usain Bolt. And Usain Bolt's the fastest man in the world. If you're not familiar with who he is, he's won multiple gold medals in the in the 100-meter dash in the Olympics. Well, he's able to cover more ground – with the steps that he takes. With fewer steps. With fewer steps. Right. So he goes farther and faster with fewer steps. And that's, that's this concept of slowing down to go faster. So the, you know, the nature of what we're trying to serve here in terms of a meal is this is not fast food that you're going to dine here. You're going to, this is going to be a two, three hour event. Oh yeah. That's where you know, the, the journaling that we have you do and the writing exercises. And I mean, hit, hit pause anytime you need to when something hits you and get it down in the journal. Like, oh, you know what? I noticed the last few times I had that impulse, I didn't even do it anymore. I didn't even buy the thing on Amazon or, or Instacart or whatever.
1: When I uh, was a few years ago trying to lose some weight, And just get myself a little healthier, which comes back to relationship with self, which will, I think you and I are going to go down that path a little uh, later in the episode. Somebody had introduced me to this idea of intermittent fasting, where there's something where if you can go 12, 18 hours every so often without eating, there's something where it kind of resets your metabolism. And again, I'm, I'm no scientist who understands the biology behind any of this by any means but there was something about how it resets your metabolism so that your body processes the food you bring in, in a much healthier way going forward. Sure. And and when I think about that from a money perspective, after I first did that Clarity Compass, the very, very first time, which, you know, back then in 2005, brother, we we didn't have a name for it. We didn't call no, it the we Clarity did. Compass. We did not. No, we, we just, you helped me get very clear on the three or four real core values that meant the most to me. But then you had suggested to me this idea of an austerity diet, right? Much like that intermittent fasting, it was just this idea that, hey, for the next few months, right? So you and, you and I hooked up in July of '05, and you had suggested that for the rest of the year, for the next six months, could I approach an austerity diet where I didn't spend money beyond what my absolute essential needs were to put a roof over my head, food in the fridge, clothes on our back you know, transportation, transportation to get to and healthcare. from communication, to be able to talk to folks and then having uh healthcare for my family. Sure. And, and everything above and beyond that, could we just put a freeze on that with the idea that by pushing pause on any not necessity type of spending could help me really get into alignment with these three or four core values and get even clearer with them. But that, I mean, that idea of, of an initial austerity diet, To just help myself get started, it kind of set my feet underneath me. It just it helped me get stable, and I appreciate you for helping me do that. Oh, absolutely. Part of the reason we named it the
0: Clarity Compass is that's the byproduct is you start to have much greater clarity on number one what's important, and then much like the exercise where we talked about running your family balance sheet like a business, is as you then start to track your expenses whether it be in a spreadsheet, whether it be downloaded from your bank, whether it be Quicken or one of the other tools that are out there, Mint or what have you, that helps track, as we like to refer to them, that goes ins and goes outs. Yeah. Now you get clarity on where it's all going, right? And the number of clients that you and I have talked about on episodes where they come in and like, we make all this money and we don't know where it goes. Oh, that's what I said when I first met you. It was a very familiar song. <laughs> yeah. I, I, knew the, I knew the lyrics. More clarity starts to show up. When you sit there, and in all transparency, I have fallen off the wagon on this in terms of going and actually tracking and categorizing each of our monthly little tick and tacks on our, on our Bank of America account. But when I have done that in the past, it is very eye-opening in terms of where it goes, and particularly if you suffer from the, the frictionless ability to buy stuff with, you know, one click or a zap or a beep or a butt on a phone, you start to see that and it, it makes you sick. I mean, I remember yeah. sitting at the dining room table going through logging all this and I, I wanted to vomit. Yeah. Now, your wonderful story around going around Hetch Hetchy and the 1% difference snapping the, you know, the, the head of the toothbrush And just carrying that with you, tearing off a page from the book every time you read a page and throwing it in the campfire. Yeah. Shaving ounces. That shaving ounces concept becomes very, very apparent Yeah. when you start tracking your expenses because you just get this visceral reaction to, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to spend $22 on a simple click 10 times this month. And that adds up to 220 bucks. And if you have a A family member that's doing the same thing now you're at 500 bucks that might be the difference between saving money or going in the hole
1: yeah i appreciate you sharing that you've kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit because i have as well in the last seven or eight months that we've been doing this whole new normal thing and all the crazy that's in the world my relationship with money has gone through another major transformation it's changed again even with the Clarity Compass exercise that you and I went through in the austerity diet that got me started, and being able to start to think of my own personal financial life like it were a business, and I created these documents called balance sheets and, and profit and loss statements, you know, much like we described in the earlier episodes, what I found is Amy and I were just spending money differently the last seven or eight months. And as a result of a lot of these differences, like you, we, we weren't tracking it as closely. So we're going back through these exercises ourselves again to look at the data over the last six, seven, eight months in where did we actually spend our money and were those expenses in alignment with the things that mean the most to us, the people, the places, the experiences that really mean the most to us at a core level. You know, full disclosure, I'm a little scared of uh, of what that data is going to tell me because it probably will result in in a little bit of a partial relapse of this unintentional spending with my money. But whether it be spending, whether it be
0: exercising, whether it be nutrition or hydration, we're human beings. We fall down and we course correct, Yeah. right? We tell the story in one of the episodes about the concept of the autopilot on a big airliner. And... Why does the pilot put it on as soon as they're, they're above 10,000 feet? Well, because 99% of the time the plane's off course and you can't hand fly the plane that accurately. You'd be constantly making adjustments and the autopilot does that for you. So I have no shame in the fact that you may have fallen off the horse. We've fallen off the horse in terms of tracking, but Beth just went through the absolute brain damage exercise of calling the cable company and renegotiating our cable bill. Oh, good uh, reminder. Tripling tripling the speed on our internet and reducing our bill by $62 a month. I went through the same brain damage with our cell phone provider and we're a family with six cell phones with four kids and I can't imagine how many internet devices we have at home and shaving ounces there. But I do feel good about the muscle in the context that the 10-10-10 principle is absolutely changed my traditional I deserve spending. That's awesome. Now I did buy, I did, I did buy a nineteen dollar item the other day and it came in the bit in the mail and Beth's like, what the hell is this? It's a water filter. What do we need a water a water filter for when we have great water here at our house? I said no 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 you don't understand young lass. <laughs> I'm sure she took that great <laughs> it's for <laughs> Purifying the water when I wash my car, <laughs> because the hard water that we have creates water spots. Right, and the and way you protect your
1: confidence, and,
0: and the way I protect my confidence is by not having water spots. You got to have your clean car. So anyway, that's a little rehash of prior episodes and my obsession with clean cars. Well, uh, and, and and open admittance to a nineteen dollar purchase.
1: Well, and I appreciate that. And thank you for the reminder on uh, shaving ounces. by washing car. Well, washing the car, but also renegotiating with the cable company and the cell phone company. I wrote those down and, and I'm going to do that again today. But, to, you know, taking it even to a bigger level, I appreciate you reminding me that we are humans and we do occasionally fall off. And despite the fact that my spending has probably been a little less intentional the last seven or eight months, I can still look at my bank accounts and know that from the exercises that we've talked about on the profit and loss statement, I've still maintained this discipline every month of paying myself first. So as money comes in every month, the first person that I pay, I I stuff 10% of whatever comes in into a little savings account that I don't have access to. I recognize the 10, 10, 10 principle in my life. So I haven't been just buying unintentionally from, from a standpoint of impulsive purchases and what's really cool is you you and I are going to have the opportunity to be intentional with some of our money over the next couple of months with some of these trips that we're going to take. We're going to get to go spend time with our favorite people doing our very favorite stuff in some of our very favorite places. And despite feeling a little bit of angst over not having as much intention the last several months, I, I feel really good about the fact that We get to reap the rewards of this long-term process you and I have committed ourselves to of financial sobriety and what that looks like over the next couple of months as far as people, places, and experiences you and I get to have. We've been very intentional with that. And as
0: you were referring to paying yourself first, one of my favorite all-time books on this subject is The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, yeah. This is a classic. This is required reading. As far as I'm concerned, George Klassen is the uh, is the author. You can buy it for about four bucks online, used, and it's an ancient parable. And pretty much, it's about the concept of paying yourself first. But please, pick up a copy, use your local library, whatever to uh, to get your hands on one, uh, and give it a read. It's also a wonderful book for kids. It's not a it's not a book that is too hard for them to understand, and.
1: that's a good suggestion. What was the name of the other book? A more recent book. Was it Profit First? Yeah. You remember the name of the guy who wrote that book? It's slipping me right now, and I know I'm sitting in front of two computer screens, and I could probably look it up. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to butcher. I'm going to butcher his last name. But
0: it is Mike uh, Michalowicz. Oh, that's right. Okay, M M-I-C-H, I C H uh, M I C H A L O W I C
1: Z. So after you read Mr. Cleison's book, The Richest Man in Babylon, which I think, again, is good reinforcement for this idea of paying ourselves first, what Profit First did for me was it actually gave me a way to create my own personal balance sheet, my own P&L statement, and it actually showed me how to go pay myself first. Right. So that, that might be a good practical book to read after the parable. I love it. Yeah. I
0: love it. Well, you Good know, re- one of the other big concepts that we introduced our folks to are the money barrels. Mm. And I think given 2020 and what the year has been like, this is another powerful exercise to sit down in your journal, piece of paper, a spreadsheet, wherever you do your best thinking. And just there's four barrels. We've tried to make this as simple as possible. We did spend extraordinary amounts of money on the on the names for these barrels, right? The marketing oh, yeah. and the data and the science that went into the names of the barrels is really extraordinary. Huge, huge, extraordinary. Uh, so that, that first barrel, what's that one called? Do you remember what that one's called? I do. It's called the Now Barrel. Oh, <laughs> right. We're a little sassy this morning. We're both over-caffeinated and the, the sun is out and there's blue sky in Northern California, for the first time in like a hundred thousand days, so we are uh, we're a little uh, we're a little uh, buoyed by the uh, the spirits today. And then let's just hit them with it now, soon, soon, later, uh huh, never, right. So just take whatever, take whatever money you have in your mind and put it in those barrels. And if you own a home, may I suggest that the equity in your home is in the never barrel. If you have a retirement account, you have 401ks, 403bs, you have a pension, you have something that is for much later in life, I got an idea. Let's put that in the later bucket. Good idea. I know. Mr. Snarky today. Money that you might need in the next two to five years. So for me and you, that's education funds.
1: Yep. That's our children going away to school.
0: Yeah, they're starting to march off in the Gebhardt family uh, two, two by two. Not quite. And then the now money is conventionally what we've heard is that emergency savings. What's the money you need now? We had a client in yesterday and I I have to commend them the very first meeting I have had in my office since March. Wow. How'd that feel? It was incredible. This is not a young couple, 79 and 72 years old. They came in, we had sanitized everything. They came in with masks on. We sat down. We're having a wonderful conversation. It was so gratifying to be doing what we love to do with people actually face-to-face in the conference room. I mean, it was just, it was it was
1: awesome. Well, that's a hell of a segue from the relationship with money to another very complicated relationship we have, which is with our people. I do,
0: yes. And pause just ever so slightly there for a second. I want to finish a thought on that conversation with the client. So they're telling me about their daughter who has $70,000 in her savings account. And she doesn't make $70,000 a year. Uh, She makes, she makes less than that. And she lives here in the, in Northern California, which is a very expensive place. And she gets by and she's living comfortably. Certainly she has wants, but the mom and the dad are kind of like, well, you should put that money to work. And I had to slow them down for a second ago. That money is working. That money has a very specific job for your daughter. It's her now money. It's her, I get laid off tomorrow because COVID throws me a curveball, and I've got more than a year's worth of living expenses. So in the conventional framework of my money must always be earning and growing, well, in this case, it has a very different job. Unfortunately, in a zero interest rate environment, we don't make any money on that. But, but I, I really, it's jobs not how, to make money, so that's well, okay. Well, and that was the point I was trying to remind them and to open their eyes to is the fact that it has a very important job in your daughter's future. How'd they it take that her, when you, it, when you did that? Pe- oh, you know, we, we hadn't thought of that. Wow, you're right. It does a very important job for her.
1: Why were they able to hear that from you? It seems like they came in with a very definitive belief about the fact that, gosh darn it, this money needs to be working for her and not sitting there collecting dust. How was it that you were able to explain something that thousands of other people could have explained to them, but in that moment, in that conversation, they were able to see what it was you were trying to get them to see? The level of relationship, trust, and
0: empathy that has built up over the ten years we've been working together—did I hit that one over the fence? Yeah, you did a good job with that. All right, so it's what you and I talk so much about in terms of blind spots. And one of the reasons you want a coach like us in your corner, whether it's us or your brother-in-law or the or the the advisor down the street that you've got a good trusting relationship with, is for that very reason—is blind spots and the way you're able to see blind spots is when somebody you trust shares it with you. If you don't trust the person, you're going to dismiss it.
1: Well, once, uh, once you helped me get some stability under my feet with my money, I got clear on what meant the most to me. I went through a little bit of an austerity diet to stabilize and let those values really sink in. I learned how to run my personal finances like a business Using a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet, I was able to establish that I don't need all my money I make today, today, that I can allocate it to these different barrels over timelines in my life. As that relationship with money began to heal, it allowed me to really look at the relationships that I had with people, like you just described this interaction with a client and really start to recognize that the epicenter of my wealth was really about my ability to connect with people. And your ability to connect with that client yesterday in a very short period of time allowed them to feel safe in a way that they could look at their blind spots thanks to you and be able to see from a different perspective what might actually be a good decision for their daughter. That was 180 degrees from what they came in with. Absolutely. That's awesome, dude. For today, my friend... I think that's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money.
2: Leads with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.